and welcome to a brand new episode of podcast. I am your host, Calmsort, happy to welcome in the new year with a brand new episode about war crimes, something that isn't talked about too much in Tau circles, but we do certainly get blamed for it, don't we? If you're new to this podcast, I'd recommend taking a peek at some of our earlier episodes. Um, we're getting kind of a we're getting we're building a pretty big library. We're rounding on the end of season two, so always looking for new and exciting topics. Of course, we'll be getting a new codex soon, so that's exciting. Don't forget to subscribe to wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you ever have any interest in joining our community, we are in the link attached below at Tau40,000 on Discord. So, yeah, let's jump right in. So something that comes up a lot uh, for any Tau player, I think, uh, be it on Facebook, Discord, within the community, communicating to people beyond the community, like uh, specifically Imperial players, um, there's always... Uh, there's this kind of dual uh, wall that we that at least I'll, I'll speak from my personal experience that I run into. The first is is the uh, the audacity that um, that there could be good guys in you know Warhammer Forty Thousand, which has led to you know endless uh, discussions, debates, uh, slinging links links around and everything, and uh, and you know ultimately uh, ultimately there's this kind of like stalemate where where uh, the facts don't really back up the opinion uh, that, the ta- that the Tao are, uh, you know, nefarious, just because we don't have that many instances of, uh, of them doing horrible things. Usually it's just rumor, um, usually from the Imperial uh, perspective that, you know, sure, you know the, the infamous, like, you know, uh, what is it, uh, castration or, or, or sterilization of a human population in a video game. So, um so that's the first thing, right? Like the, the, the first thing is, is that there's this, uh, uh, you know, that, that, that the tower somehow secretly, uh, bad guys. Um, and, and I often have said like, okay, well, you know, just prove it. Um, and on the flip side of that, uh, then it's, uh, the Tao are, uh, incapable of doing any of this stuff. And, and that of course just trickles back into this idea that like, oh, well, any of the factions should, if they really wanted to, they could just brush the uh, the towel off and, and annihilate them piecemeal, you know, which is <laughs> which is something that has been said uh, in the past uh, by Games Workshop themselves. Um, but we've got a lot of new lore uh, coming out. Uh, the Chalnath Expanse has been a pleasure to read. Um, you know, we've we've got Fehavari uh, writing some pretty cool stuff. Uh, the Voice of Experience, for example, it was a couple years ago, but. Um, but you know we're 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 living in a post, let's call it a post Cold War of Tau culture. Um, the the Tau after the the first Damocles Crusade basically went into this kind of like uh, stagnation. You know they they uh, realized that they picked a fight with this you know giant entity called the Imperium of Mankind, and they really had to be careful the next couple steps. Um, and then, of course, they get uh, sucker punched by a bunch of uh, orcs drawn by uh, Commander Farsight's uh, activities um, on the far side of the Damocles Gulf. You get the infamous uh, gene stealer infestation of the eastern part of the um, of the uh, Commonwealth, and in, in the form uh, that culminates in the form of High Fleet Gorgon. Um, and then, uh, you know, and then you get the the uh, 
you, you basically get like a series of events like the War of Dhaka, the Age of Con- uh, the, the the War of Confederacy, things like that, um, and uh, the Reek infestations, the Hrud uh, migration. There's a lot of stuff that happens, but now we're after that. That's our history. That's uh, if anything, that's very much like our uh, our age of apostasy. Um, if the uh, if the first sphere can be compared to uh, the Horus Heresy, just in terms of the amount of things that happened that are foundational to our lore, um, but now we're we're post third sphere, and the third sphere was an extremely aggressive uh, and and massively successful push outward into the Imperium, um, specifically um, the Eldar are not really ever. You know, mention that much. The Tyranids have kind of that threat was solved, uh, but in the end of the third sphere, uh, you know, there's the aborted uh, fourth sphere, which I'm always very critical of because it doesn't seem like a uh, you know a, a sphere is not a crusade. It's a it's an age like AD or BC. Um, so the idea that 12 to 15 years after the third sphere is launched, a fourth sphere is launched as well, um, and then of course uh, a fifth sphere launched 20 years after that. Uh, or I guess maybe even well, we actually don't know. Ever since the retcon, uh, we're not sure how the 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 gap of time between the fourth and fifth spheres. So, but that's not what this episode is about. This episode is about directly confronting the idea of Tau war crimes, um, and I'm going to define that uh, by using uh, by using the Tau sensibilities within Warhammer Forty Thousand. So. You know, every other Tuesday, the Imperium of Mankind probably nukes a planet. Um, once a month, they probably completely eradicate a planet, and so on and so forth. Uh, public uh, uh, annihilation, uh, the, the the death of you know, alien civilizations or non-compliant human civilizations, internecine conflicts. Like, uh, the universe of Warhammer 40,000 is very much built on the idea that more or less everybody wants to kill each other, and if they're not killing each other, then they're killing their friends and family. Okay, so we're not going to use the term war crime to define that. For the Tau, we're going to actually use a more modern concept of war crime. Now, if we go, you know, I mean, the, the easiest thing to do uh, is take out hand, you know, your handy-dandy Google um, and and just see what's there. And if we do, we see an action carried out during the conduct of a war that violates accepted international rules of war. So the Imperium has no concept of uh, the rules of war. Um, if anything, the Imperium exists in a state of constant war, and, and they're just, I mean, it's a combination of looking for survival uh, and the big ultimate win, you know, um, whatever that may be. Uh, probably not able to uh, comprehend it. So, but for the Tau, that would be a little bit more complex. Um, remember that the Tau ultimately are about inclusivity. They want to bring, they want to bring other species. They want to bring other uh, other governments, uh, other factions into compliance uh, with their notion of the greater good. And in this episode. We're going to say that the that the greater good is essentially uh, a co-prosperity. So we benefit, you benefit, and we're at peace. The loss of life uh, for whatever's going on is at a minimum, uh, and we are ultimately 
trying to survive in a hostile universe. So the greater good effectively is survival. Um, now that might change uh, from hobbyist to hobbyist. It might change from even the definition from what Games Workshop determines it to be. Uh, for the purposes of this episode, it's about survival. So whatever contradicts the idea of survival crosses that line into uh, what we would call a war crime. And with that said, um, I, have a, I have a secondary objective to this episode, which is um, how to provide you, the listener, um, and, and my community, uh, with the opportunity to be able to show that the Tau are indeed uh, grimdark. Um, they, do commit, uh, they do commit these uh, awful acts, um, but, they are, but they are fundamentally different from uh, from the enemies that they engage, and so you have as a as a uh, as a hobbyist of Warhammer Forty Thousand, you have to regard it as different as, as something different. Um, the best uh, the the best uh, example that I could give would be like the Tyranids, right? The Tyranids aren't guilty of war crimes. Uh, if anything, they're almost like a force of nature, uh, and and can't be considered uh, can't be considered to be judged in the same lens as uh, as regular sentient creatures. So, okay. So let's go back to the Damocles, uh, the first Damocles Crusade. Um, and, and very specifically, let's go to, we're going to call it the Lefesh War, because that's what it was traditionally called. Um, the Crusade was the Imperial element, the Tau was the counter element, and it took place in the Lefesh sector, which is where the Tau Commonwealth resides. Now, in this, in this time, the Tau are in their most, uh, let's call it their most noble bright phase. Um, they have successfully uh, managed to push uh, orc piracy uh, away. Pure Tide, uh, the teacher um, of Farsight, Shadow Sun, uh, and, and Kais, uh, has, uh, has done an excellent job of ridding the immediate area of orcs. And the orcs, simultaneously, have been declared incompatible with the greater good. Um, which basically means there will no longer be, uh, there, there will no longer be dip, you know, diplomatic envoys sent to orc war, war bosses anymore. Um, what's really interesting about this, though, is, is that orcs continue to be mercenary forces within the Tau, uh, within the Tau military structure. Uh, here and there, um, there's, there's, we're going we're gonna to go back to this character over and over, but his name is Brightsword. Um, he employs orc mercenaries. Um, so, so in this time period, though, the, the Tau are ascendant. Uh, they've colonized, you know, 300 light years uh, of the globular cluster, and they are now pushing outward into a region of space uh, that the Imperium has more or less forgotten, the Eastern Fringe. And in doing so, they uh, instigate conflict uh, in in that uh, at first they're kind of they're playing some human populations against each other uh, where where need be in other cases they're supplying uh, military uh, assistance but then also just resources and things like that um, and it's working um, and and several uh, very important planets uh, switch over and 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 start and consider the Tau their allies now whether they really think of themselves as as a member species, so much as uh, as 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 a as a trading partner, we don't really know. If you read the 
Damocles uh, duology that covers the first Damocles Crusade, and also known as the Lathesh War. Um, it, it seems like the, the human civilizations uh, on the planets Kleist and Garrus, um, they both, they, both of them think of themselves as almost independent states, um, uh, despite the fact that they are now using Tau technology. Uh, they've integrated Tau, uh, a lot of Tau uh, bureaucracy into their, into their uh, let's call them their governments. Um, but they think of, you know, they really do think of themselves as, uh, as, uh, as making the choice to join in, in, in all of these agreements. But, but, but what happens as a result of when Brimlock, now Brimlock is a really important world. It's a, it's an ecclesiarchy world. It, it is becoming more important as we get into the modern 40k. Um, it is an ecclesiarchy world, very much dedicated to the, you know, the religion of the Imperium. When, uh, when when they find out that there is an alien species uh, subverting the the lex, you know, the imperial imperial law and order, um, they they're the ones that petition the crusade. And very quickly, you know, and in very normal, like, let's call it regular operating procedures of the Imperium, you know, they put together a couple of space marine chapters, they put together a couple imperial regiments, um, a fleet of no small size. It's got uh, it's got uh, several squadrons of cruisers, um, the entire chapter of the Scar Lord Space Marines go, and they purge um, the the imperial side. Excuse me, the imperial side of the uh, the Gulf. Um, they uh, Kleist and Garrus are both uh, ra- you know thousands of people are executed. The imperial popula- uh, excuse me, the Tau populations uh, put to the sword. Um, there are at least two planets uh, that experience uh, exterminatus, um, or at least exterminatus level events, um, before the Imperials start the extremely long process of crossing the Gulf, which is several months. Now, by the time they get to Dalith, uh, Dalith uh, is effectively uh, 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 successfully. Uh, not, I don't want to use the word like abandoned, but it, from an Imperial perspective. Uh, they would never do this. There's a mass exodus of civilian population. Uh, uh, High-level, uh, high-ranking members are, are, are evacuated. Um, and, and the planet itself is kind of turned into, uh, into uh, setting up for to be a war zone, um, which, uh, as the crusade makes planet fall, um, it does. And it turns into a, you know, a, a charnel house. And uh, this conflict, by the way, even though it's only focused on in... Uh, the Tau Codex. Um, there are several other books that I would recommend. Uh, always the Battlefleet Gothic books, but the Lathesh War actually spills out into several star systems uh, that the Tau uh, uh, that the Tau consider, you know, part of their their home systems or second sphere systems, um, and uh, and and a lot of their colonies, especially their their uh, asteroid and uh, orbital city. Uh, Population centers are, are actually attacked by by uh, by imperial raiders, um, even while the war is going on on Dalith. Now, this creates post the you know post crusade. This creates a really unusual breed of warrior, um, and Farsight really exemplifies this. Um, and later, you know, as he uh, as he starts reclaiming uh, those regions of space uh, that were that were lost during this time. Um, let's call it a, a hard-nosed, um, uh, a hard-nosed response, pun intended, uh, a hard-nosed response to the Imperium. 
Um, and this this is something that he carries with him as he uh, retakes these worlds that had initially been aligned with the Tao. Um, and that means all kinds of things. That means uh, instead of the integration that we saw before, the Tao of uh, the Farsight Reclamation Initiative um, reject uh, human populations and push them aside or keep them localized, such as on uh, the planet Kronos, um, where the, the human population is strictly divided away from the Tau as they, as they repopulate um, the city that they had on that planet. Um, now, of course, that's not a war crime, right? So, so what does constitute as a war crime um, is that after Farsight has spent an enormous amount of lives and materiel uh, retaking these regions, he then uh, goes and picks a fight with the orcs. Um, specifically the orcs of the Alsanta uh, orc empire. Um, the name of the, that warlord is the arch arsonist, but uh, it eventually turns into Grog. There's a little bit of confusion as to which orcs these are. It could be both. Um, but Grog effectively uh, engages with Farsight and Farsight, um, perhaps via a combination of his own new belief system. Now, Farsight is also uh, extremely good at adapting to who he's fighting against. That, I would say that uh, that is his... I, I know everybody talks about Montka, but, um, but really uh, what Farsight is about is about kind of becoming the reflection of who he's fighting. Uh, his, uh, his penning of the uh, Mirror Codex, for example, um, really exemplifies like this this aspect that he he seeks to understand who he's fighting whereas uh, shadow sun uh seems to have a more kind of uh let's call it traditional uh i mean her her she's exemplified by kayon uh so her she exemplifies kind of like traditional values of like sticking to what you're about um it's an interesting dichotomy but farsight perhaps learning from the imperials and seeing the worlds that they they destroyed um, basically engages in a series of campaigns against the orcs and commits exterminatus um, a number of times. And we're not sure, because it, it doesn't go into it, we're not sure what type of exterminatus, but if we, you know, there's, there's a difference between bombarding a planet, there's a difference from, you know, nuking a planet. The use of the word exterminatus in 40k means all life is is it, it there's an attempt on every living being every every you know every plant perhaps even the atmosphere itself but there's an attempt from the uh the person enacting exterminatus to effectively render a planet in uh uninhabitable um on a more extreme level perhaps destroying the planet altogether so when we see that farsight commits exterminatus several times against the orcs that means that he renders these planets in, uh, uh, you know, uninhabitable. And now that's probably because Farsight cut his teeth against the orcs um, when he became a commander. Um, he understands orc physiology in that uh, the orcs, uh, the orc uh, reproductive system, um, you know, if one orc survives, or if one, it, actually, if even the corpse uh, of an orc uh, manages to drop spores, you're going to have uh, an orc infestation uh, within a couple, you know, uh, within a couple of years or, or a couple decades, um, as they rebuild their population, the, the orcs are an incredibly difficult uh, uh, species to root out once they have landed uh, on a planet. 
So, so perhaps that's why he did it. But in the eyes of the military high command, and especially the ethereals, this is unacceptable. This is a war crime. Farsight has prevented the opportunity for the Tau to be able to continue their colonial expansion. And remember, Tau colonial expansion is built, built entirely on a combination of manifest destiny, but also with the very scientific, you know, the, the very pragmatic uh, viewpoint that they only inhabit a very small corner of space. And if anything goes wrong, uh, a supernova, a Tyranid hive fleet, uh, an Imperial uh, Crusade, you know, as large as it would need to be, uh, you could snuff out all Tau life, um, and you could do so pretty completely. So expansion, uh, expansion is is paramount for the safety and the security and the survival of their way of life. To kill planets is completely unacceptable, um, and and Farsight does that several times. So, so. As we, as we look at it through the lens of Tau society, that would be something that uh, Farsight would eventually have to answer for. Now, it's been several centuries since that happened. Um, out, of those, uh, out, of the, out of his uh, reclamation, the enclaves uh, were created. Um, but, but at the end of the day, if Farsight were brought on trial, um, if, if Farsight was brought on trial, that would be one of the crimes leveled against him. So that's the, that's that's the that's the that's the really upfront in your face example. Um, I'll follow up with Brightsword, an acolyte of Farsight, um, who becomes active surprisingly uh, about a century later, um, and it's kind of unclear. He, it, I guess it's it's possible that he could have been cryogenically frozen, or he is the acolyte of the original Brightsword that fought on uh, on uh, on Dalith. But either way, um, there's a commander um, who... And remember, the, the Tau military structure is very... It, it is not top-down. Um, commanders are, are effectively given their own uh, initiative. You know, Ashaso, for example, uh, is, is, a, is a force unto himself. He is... Or, or themselves, excuse me. Um, they are... Uh, they have immense power. As we've talked about in other episodes, they have... Uh, very deep relationships with the other castes as well as other alien species typically and that allows them to uh, an enormous level of autonomy that you do not see with any other uh, with any other species in Warhammer 40,000 typically everybody uh, everybody has some kind of hierarchical uh, command structure that they have to adhere to you know in the case of the Eldar it's basically the the craft world councils or the farseers um uh I, you know what actually uh the space marines themselves space marines are you know they they basically have to petition um uh or at least you know let people know what they're doing you know the black templar are always on crusade they're probably the exception but you know if the if the imperial fists want to leave terra for whatever reason there has to be some kind of notification system especially now that we have the uh the imperial regent uh, uh Gulliman. um with the Tau, the Tau, I guess I would relate them the most as pre-heresy space marines, where the legions had their own mandates and their own decisions that they that you know we're going to go and we're going to we're going to pacify this part of the galaxy. Um, the Shaso are very much like that as well, um, and they really only answer to the ethereal caste 
uh, and the the highest ranking, or excuse me, the most senior chasso uh, when they come across each other. Now this gets a there's a feeling of anarchy uh, as I describe this. Uh, and remember, the only thing that keeps everybody in line is the concept of the greater good. Um, remember, universal survival and the purposes of this episode is to hammer that home. Every commander is mandated with trying to keep their way of life going. Now, Brightsword is different, though. Uh, as an acolyte of Farsight, he probably adopts a lot of Farsight's personal beliefs, uh, a little bit of that uh, animosity uh, toward toward humanity um, after what they did to uh, to Dalith, um, after what they did to the colonies on the far side of the Damocles Gulf, and without without mandate, he uh, expands into he leads a force basically against a world called Nimbosa. Now Nimbosa is really interesting. It's one of my I really do hope we get like a battle zone in Bosa or something. There have been uh, there have been uh, at least three major space marine actions uh, in the in the conflict of this world. In order to take it, there have been two major Tau uh, actions there. Um, in the first uh, in the first engagement where Brightsword uh, enters into this solar system. Now keep in mind during this time this is this is between the second and third sphere. And during this time, uh, the Tau actually have like a non-aggression pact, or, or at least a ceasefire uh, with the Imperium that was signed on Dalif. Uh, and, and so Brightsword is effectively breaking that. And we have a couple brushfire wars here and there, you know, uh, Imperial, uh, Imperial assassination squads wiping out a bunch of kids on Borkon, that happens, you know, uh, the Adeptus Mechanicus uh, gets uh, gets a little hot-headed and, and, you know, wants some Tau tech to study, so they, they kill a bunch of Tau on a planet. Uh, the Tau uh, counter-invade uh, and take a world here and there, you know, but, but generally speaking, in terms of, like, you know, that's about as close as you're going to get to 40k peacetimes, um, with the exception of Nimbosa. Brightsword enters uh, the Nimbosa system and very quickly uh, engages on the planet, um, the Vestroyans. And in, in that assault, uh, which is a place called Polia, um, he gives the population, as well as the Vestroyans, one chance to surrender. And when they reject, he annihilates them. That right there, that's a war crime. Um, he killed. Uh, he he wipes out the the civilian population as much as he can, I guess. And specifically, the Vostroyan uh, regiment that's there uh, is just uh, is just m massacred. Um, there's a secondary uh, military event that happens uh, on the planet in a place called the Koloth Gorge that becomes famous in that the Imperial Guard is effectively trapped within uh, this gorge, uh, and the Tau don't offer any quarter. They just they just annihilate them systematically. Um, now, now what happens next? So Brightsword is recalled. Uh, very interestingly, he listens and he returns to uh, the, the Commonwealth, where he is uh, subject to what we've now come to know as Malkla, which is the which is kind of like a public uh, public disgracing or a, a public shaming. Um, where an individual's uh, an individual's decisions are judged uh, in front of the community uh, by the ethereal caste, um, 
there was uh, when when this was, was when this was first brought up, there was like a, a thought that it was like some kind of execution. It's not. It's uh, remember that until until Games Workshop chooses uh, which way to go, the Tau do not do not have the same uh, structure of punishment. You know, there are no gulags, for example. There are no prisons. Uh, there is rehabilitation. Um, sometimes to you know a, a, an extreme level where we, we call it re-education, um, but uh, but a lot of it is public shaming. Um, but this doesn't work on Brightsword, um, and despite the fact uh, that he's committed these war crimes, he then leaves Tau space, or at least uh, the the proper Tau space, and goes to a planet called Estau where he starts uh, he starts amassing. Uh, aliens, uh, all kinds. I mean, he he employs Hrud, he employs uh, Galg, uh, Krut, human pirates and renegades, orcs, um, and basically is in the process of creating a giant uh, mercenary army to attack another imperial world. And at that point in time, the Inquisition, the Imperial Inquisition, uh, determines that they 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 have to stop this this guy, and they actually kind of work with the Tau High Command uh, to find out where he is and then send an Annihilation Squad uh, in the form of uh, a very small collection of assassins who actually uh, uh, thread the needle, find Brightsword, and kill him. So so it's, a, it's, a, it's, an, interesting, like, it's an interesting series of events. And, and even during the book, which is called Kill Team by Gavthorpe, uh, the Imperials uh, are perplexed as to like, why not... Why not just kill him? Your, you know, why not just just get rid of the problem yourself? And and the Tau don't even on a culture level don't even really seem to comprehend um, how you would do that um, because of that uh, that cultural conditioning that the Tau don't kill Tau. That's that's where one of my favorite uh, aspects of the Tau come from. So war crime, right? Now now we've given we've 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 seen two examples of where. Uh, the ethereals have tried or the ethereals or the firecast high command has tried to curtail um and and manage uh their own right to to recognize like okay we did a bad thing and and now the the commanders will be reprimanded in the case of farsight he never comes back in the case of brightsword he gets publicly uh shamed and when that doesn't work the tau don't lift a finger as the uh, inquisition sends an assassin to kill him um now to kind of step back and go from like like this notion of like state sanctioned war crimes uh an example that i would give um would perhaps be the event uh where a maiden world of the eldari um and and this is millennium 39 so it's about a thousand years before those two events that i mentioned in 876 when the planet lalarsis um well, Larsis is—it's uh, an unknown maiden world. It's—it's uh, it's somewhere. Presumably, it existed in uh, in the in the Tau Commonwealth as they were uh, as they were solidifying the the stellar cluster um, that they uh, that they that they own today. Um, but effectively, they were goaded. Um, this is before their official first contact with the Dark Eldar, but a guy named uh, Archon Andros Clax, uh, again, not not entirely sure as to what he did, but he uh, attacked uh, the Sept of Kelishan. And Kelishan, uh, you know, is they're, they're really the punching bag for uh, for the for the Tau. 
um, a lot of bad things end up happening to them. They get they get hit by a high fleet gorgon. Um, they get invaded by a random uh, time traveling group of imperials at some point um, called the Iron Hammer campaign. It's the, the little little plot hooks that Games Workshop has just dropped for for us to obsess over. Um, but but Andros draws um, the uh, draws the the Tau out. Um, and and brings them into uh, into conflict with this uh, with the Iandan uh, Eldar, and before they can realize what they're doing, um, there's basically all of this culminates into the Battle of Kamais, and and although we don't understand what happened, um, the Tau somehow destroy a maiden world. Um, not again. Not sure how they do it. Um, it seems pretty conclusive. The the planet is just said uh, that the maiden world is destroyed by the by the Tau. Um, and even though that the Tau attempt attempt to uh, send diplomats to uh, to the Iandan Eldari, um, they they're just ignored. Um, and instead, Iandan focuses uh, focuses on going after Andros. But this is a, this is absolutely um, this is absolutely an example of like a state-sanctioned war crime. For me, I would imagine that the Tau, uh, especially of, of Kelshen, probably uh, exhausted by just getting hit all of the time. And this, and, the, and by the way, this is even before High Fleet Gorgon, um, probably are just tired of putting up with uh, threats from the Purtis Rift. Now, if you look at a map, they're the they're the furthest north and uh, east. Um, and border and border and a volatile area called the Purtis Rift, which is where actually the Crute Empire used to be. Um, in and I can I, I can pretty pretty safely assume that it's ba- that effectively the, the Kelshani just didn't want to deal with threats anymore and just came to the conclusion as as a as a uh, you know as a as a as a as a faction within. Uh, the greater Tau Commonwealth that we're just going to deal with it uh, in this way right now, our way. Um, and when and you know every species in 40k has a means of destroying a planet. Uh, if you had uh, if you were part of a slower process, let's say virus bombing, right? Like um, they would have said something like that. And instead, uh, what it most likely is is the most. Uh, is the most straightforward way to destroy a planet and a, the, the way that the Tau uh, have done exterminatus level events before is that they attach um, they either attach a facility on uh, an asteroid uh, which then pilots it into into orbit on the planets that they want to hit uh, or they basically kind of like use the equivalent of like tractor beams. Uh, the Tau make use of gravitic fields really well. Um, it's what their shields are are uh, are usually made up of. Uh, the their starships have them, and they they basically guide and push asteroids into proper orbits, which then uh, blow up planets. This is a pretty simple way of killing a world. It's also it's also fairly easy to stop unless you're you know preoccupied with the rest of the Tau forces. Uh, or uh, or your exodites, you know, and you uh, you don't have the technological abilities of stopping uh, something like a, a, a giant asteroid uh, from from smashing into your planet. So that for sure uh, would be uh, an example of state-sanctioned war crimes. 
and the town never really suffer from it. I mean, obviously the Eldari lose one of their most priceless planets. Uh, Iandan has never recovered from uh, the relationship with the town. They've never worked together again. Um, uh, this, uh, you know, Sam Sam Hain, uh, another craft world, uh, has a lot of bad uh, events that happen with the Tau over time, and that, if anything, again, using uh, using this uh, as an example of like what of what a war crime is, that directly contradicts the the Tau notion of trying to survive. You have made uh, a permanent enemy um, a, uh, with with at least some of the Eldar. Um, that they're probably likely not going to forgive anytime soon, um, and so and so that right there, that you know that that we can I, I can confidently say that that's like that's an atrocity right there. That's a that and and even amongst the Tau themselves, they would probably consider like yeah, we we did a bad thing, but they never pay for it. They never have to do anything about it. Um, so those are those are three examples of like how you bake that in. Uh, into your own personal narratives or or when you want to talk about how the Tao have done bad things in the past, um, both when they try to internally reprimand and when they just kind of shrug and say, well, you know, I guess, guess we can't go to the Iandan for, uh, for sugar uh, anytime soon. But now we we fast forward a little bit. Um, the, that that was very much in the in the distant past, and I would be remiss if I did not bring up a ghrelin. Now, I've talked about a ghrelin before. We are going to do so again. Let's let's just get into how much everything about a uh, everything about a ghrelin was a mistake. Um, the Tau in universe admit that. Um, and uh, and as a hobbyist, you know, you you read the books Kaon and Monka, and it's just like it could not have got. It, you could not have made a a, a bigger blunder, um, and yet you know, and still managed to be fighting. Now, ultimately, a Grelin is a Tau victory. Um, you know, it it eventually turns into the Sept Mugalathbe, um, which exists uh, still today, even though uh, during the the breath of that campaign and right after the Tau victory, the Imperials uh, enact Exterminatus, a, a kind of a like think of it as like an stellar flamethrower on the planet where the only thing left is the Tau capital city uh, on the planet which uh, which was which was formerly a hive uh, a, to give some background a ghrelin is uh, is a hive planet um, population stretching in the many many billions and billions of people um, and as the tower expanding you know they have been meticulous uh, again uh, I, I'm a huge fan of Shadow Sun. Um, she spent years planning the invasion of Imperial space and she, she, she executes it on, on such, I mean, like on such an incredible level that like, she, she, to me, she's operating at a Primark level of understanding. Um, she sends out salience into, into seven major combat zones, uh, and she cannot communicate with them. Remember the Tau don't have, uh, uh, consistent means of faster than light communication. Um, so, so if anything, only the very, uh, the very top level uh, commanders are in communication with each other, and it might be intermittent. But basically, Shadow Sun 
pushes outward. She expands the the borders of the Tao Empire by over thirty percent. Um, she this this is to give you some context. This is when uh, the Battle of Taros happens. Uh, this is uh, this is also um, when Kissimmee-en, uh and Therios, the Seps are both formed. Um, like like this is an extremely uh, active period of time. This is where the majority of Tal lore. Uh, in terms of the timeline take place um, just because they are they are moving so quickly uh, in the rest of the galaxy this is when the eye of terror campaign was uh, was kicking off and shadow sun you know first of all she she baffles uh, Cato Sicarius during the Zeiss campaign and gets him mired in a war that he can't really win um, uh, and eventually he is forced to withdraw Um Keep in mind, he was uh, he was commanding a, a, a mixed group of space marines of about a thousand space marines, and uh, and it's just it's just you know like and and she just and she basically just runs rings around him. She sacrifices one planet and she takes like four other star systems while while he's stuck there. Uh, meanwhile, she also takes uh, she takes a fortress world, um, which is which is kind of incredible. Um, she 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 sends. Uh, Tau fleets deeper in Imperial space than than have ever uh, than, than than have ever uh, successfully uh, operated within. One of those is Taros. Uh, another one is uh, is Resvar. Uh, and and amidst this like perfect uh, inter you know kind of like think of it as almost like interloping Kion, you know, luring people in, then striking, luring and then luring even more people in, and then striking them, and then you know, just the cons- the constant level of operation is fantastic until Anva and and I lay this mistake at Anva's feet, Hobbes, excuse me, um, when he tells her that they need they need like they need a crushing victory, um, they need something that's going to open everybody's eyes to how uh, devastating the Tau to, to stand against the Tau and, and the audacity of of rejecting the greater good. He wants a big public example. And that exists in the form of Shadow Sun's attack on the Hive World Agrellin. When she attacks, she is already saying that this is a bad idea. She switches tactics. Instead of doing Kion, she does Montka. Um, first of all, she cuts off the plant. You know, Hive Worlds need a constant flow of resources in order to survive. Um, she cuts those off. The planet begins to starve. Right there. That's. That's the first mistake, because those billions and billions of people that are now starving and actively cannibalizing each other, uh, you have just locked yourself out, potentially, of ever getting those people to join you. And the Imperium is very active in blaming the depredations of the alien as like the reason why you're starving right now, it's because of the aliens, you know? Um, that was the, That's the first big mistake in my opinion um the hearts and minds notion uh the Tau lose that in the opening rounds of the fight now about 20 cadres land and they are assisted by human traders i do want to say right now that more and more we are getting mentions of rogue traders assisting the Tau. i don't know what that's about i don't know if it's just like a throwaway comment but like in the new lore the chelneth expanse as well as the Kaon book 
human traitors are the way, are the reason why the Tao are just walking in through the back door and and stabbing everybody while they sleep. That is what Shadow Sun does. The defenses of Agrelin are stripped away basically overnight, and Tao forces as well as Tao armed rebels uh, just rise up all across the planet. Now the problem is though is that in in a in a battlefield in a, or in a battle zone of billions of people, every shot, every hyper you know high velocity railgun that doesn't hit its target and goes into a building, that's killing people. And the death toll that happens in a ghrelin is incalculable um, in its initial taking uh, and, and eventually in the reprisal attack from the second Damocles Gulf Crusade uh, that gets launched, uh, the loss of life is just astounding. And there are great excerpts that you can read of Tau fire warriors uh, both disgusted with the planet that they've been ordered to take the a hive world i mean you know hive worlds are each different but like a ghrelin is particularly bad it's 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 a toxic wasteland there's weird geo uh, you know geo lightning that uh that the planet that the planet basically harnesses in order to ship uh energy off world um the there's you know the 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 air is almost unbreathable there's no local fauna that isn't some kind of mutant uh the tau do not know why they're there they don't understand the value in trying to take a world like this and and shadow sun uh you know from from the from the perspective of a supreme commander she is also not like there's no way that they're going to be able to feed all of these human beings when uh, when when the conquest happens, you know, uh, there's no way that they're going to be able to change this many people's minds. And even if they could, where would they go? You know, uh, as a result, her tactics become more and more severe. Uh, a hive is not just a city; it's also a fortress. And if it zeroes in on you, like I mean, very often hives have you know atomic weapons. So the Tau have to start employing their own devastating tact, uh, their their own devastating weapons, uh, which eventually results in the fusion uh, failure uh, of of a Grelin's moon. Um, a Tau weapon, we're not, sh- I'm not sure what type, but basically uh, it it's fusion generation. Uh, something goes wrong, and the moon itself exp- like unravels, explodes, and the resulting meteor shower or i don't know what you call it like moonfall uh that happens uh you know ravages an entire continent of the planet um and this is all within only just a couple of months and just it's atrocity after atrocity that that damages the tau uh, ability to wage war remember the tau has something that is very rare uh in uh in the in the 40k universe and that uh they you know they have a really, really high, let's call it like their leadership factor is extremely high. Their morale is very high. Um, typically Imperial Guardsmen, you know, which which a lot of people compare the, the Tau Fire Warrior to. They shouldn't. Um, an Imperial Scion uh, or, you know, one of the stormtroopers of the Imperial uh, Guard upper echelons, like that is a closer comparison to what a Fire Warrior is because a Fire Warrior believes that they are ultimately doing good uh, for the peoples of their uh, of the Commonwealth, um, the Fire Warrior takes takes civilian life very seriously. 
it's one of the things that they uh, that they hold it as as almost like the high point of their operation. They are supposed to protect civilians, and to then kill so or be the result of the death of so many uh, sentient uh, lives lost. That starts having an eroding effect on the morale of the Tau, but they continue doing it because ultimately. This is an example right there of, you know, you've convinced through social conditioning, um, you've convinced everybody that this is, you know, this is the price of the greater good. And so they keep going. Um, hives are, are, are largely, you know, crippled to a degree that the Tau wouldn't, you know, can't fix them. And so when they finally do take the planet, they really can only focus on a single, the hive primus, uh, and they can only uh, fortify it. And it's really kind of, I mean, I'm going to use the word adorable, um, but it's the wrong word. It's a fictitious universe. I, I don't mean to, to trivialize the massacre of this many uh, fake human beings. But um, but the Tau start trying to terraform the region around the Hive Primus. And I find this is almost like, it, it, I mean, it's such an example of like the naivete of the Tau. Like, you're trying to terraform... Uh, a hive world a place that is like been given up to generations if not i mean thousands of years of toxic waste and it's it's almost i can almost feel like that that that's like the band-aid you know like we've done horrible things on this planet it's really the first time that the tau military has been unleashed in this way uh in order to take uh, a world like this so it's almost like they're trying to make up for it by like oh look you know we'll <laughs> we'll make the air breathable um but this right here, this, the battle for Agrelin, the creation of Mugaloth Bay at the behest of Anva. You know, Anva, who is not a military leader um, or was not a military leader. He is a spiritual leader. And if anything, I mean, I know we the, the word gets thrown around there, like the de facto rulers of the Tao. But every example we see of the ethereals is they're, and I've said this before. They're very much upper management, you know. Um, they they still they still adhere to the rules of the company. They still uh, they still owe it to the the regular working guy, you know. Uh, the ethereals are basically human resources, you know, and they manage they manage the CEOs, which are basically the leaders of the castes, and they and they manage the 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 you know the the, the back of house guys as well as the front of house guys. Um, that's really what the ethereals are in practice. Um, on the page, yes, of course, they're the rulers, and everybody's got to listen to them, for sure. But Anva had no business ordering that kind of an attack, and even Shadow Sun herself is disillusioned by her mandate to shepherd the third sphere to success. That 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 the that that loss of life that that number of people both on both sides to have died and in such a haphazard way you know everything about the tau is you know yeah sure you know we, i'll give you an example you know like the arca cannon from dawn of war like it has a, a frequency that it can be dialed to where it only kills uh higher sentient life you leave you leave the foliage you leave the fauna you leave the buildings all intact and then you move in like that's so tau right like that's so, that's a sterilized view of like we're we're only going to kill the very bare minimum of the people that need to die and then we're going to further the greater good that is totally out the window with a ghrelin with a ghrelin it is a it is a 40k slugfest uh hive cities are destroyed 
population centers are targeted. Um, you know, on the flip side, the Imperium is totally, you know, is is totally taken aback that they lose one of these worlds and they end up burning it from orbit, even their own people, you know. And and seeing that, I mean, has resulted in the Tal of Mugaloth Bay to resent the Imperium and to hate the Imperium. And that's that's not something that the Tau, uh, high, uh, you know, from a macro perspective, that's not something that the Tau want to have. They don't want people to have animosity. The whole process of the greater good is to eventually have everybody get on board. I, I said this in, in, in the previous episode. The orcs were, made, were, were, were branded as incompatible with the greater good. And to this day, the water cast considers them their greatest failure. You know, it is not a good thing that the orcs were not able to be brought into any kind of compliance with the other aliens of the Commonwealth. The Watercast have said that themselves. And so for an entire sept like Mughalath Bay, which is theoretically one of the most highly populated septs in the Commonwealth, um, for them to hate the Imperium it's really hard to solve hate you know when someone hates another group of people like it that steps out of you know the the realm of rationality which is where the Tao want to stay in and if you just look at what's going on in the rest of the galaxy at this time I mean like just look at Baal like even the Tyranids uh that are attacking I believe Leviathan um they evolved to hate the Blood Angels you know the Blood Angels were strategically exterminating worlds so that it would starve the hive fleet as it gets closer and closer to ball and as a result that hive fleet starts hating the space marines it's a really interesting i highly recommend taking a look at that those books as well um but but that is what it, it's seemingly that is what the imperium is teaching the tau um that if you if you want to fight us at our level you're gonna have to hate and as a result the foundations of Mughalath Bay and the result of one of the most, what should have been one of the most lauded and and cherished military actions of of the of, of Tao history in the form of the Third Sphere, it is stained by the amount of atrocity that was that was required in order to take this planet. Now, there is some justice. Anva obviously is uh, is assassinated, um, and Shadow Sun enters into this really weird stage where she is alone out you know Anva uh was her closest uh con- you know uh, her her kind of mentor um when her sisters died she it was it was uh, it was Anva that comforted her um obviously there's a very different version of Anva where you know he's a very like mustache twirling bad guy but then there's also the version where he is like kind of everybody's grandpa and and he and he just messed up he he made a mistake in seeking that big knockout victory, because I'm sure from his perspective, if they had knocked out Agrelin, maybe the whole region, maybe maybe the the Imperials would have just all given up. Like you know, you took a hive world. Like, dang, you know, put your guns down. Um, obviously, that didn't happen because again, the the Tau, even from a fundamental perspective, and even from the like a, an extremely wise uh, perspective in the form of Anva, do not understand. Uh, the lengths that humanity and vis-a-vis the Imperium will go uh, to to survive. So, so these four examples, um, you know, I really think that I, I really think that they, I guess, five examples. Uh, they they really 
for me, they exemplify what it means to for our future and as well as our past as as, as Tao enthusiasts. Um, the the notion of atrocity is something that should be addressed, but it should be always addressed through the lens of uh, through the lens of of what it means to be uh, you know an alien faction like the Tau. Um, they don't walk around just burning planets off. They try to curtail themselves, but when push comes to shove, and when the Ethereals order it, uh, a planet and its population will be sacrificed for a greater good. And that's another episode of podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. It's really excited to be back in this new year. Just a quick reminder, podcast is an entirely fan owned and operated podcast. It is in by no means uh, official or affiliated with the parent company games workshop. Uh, we are a Discord community based out of the Tau 40.000 Discord, which the invitation is in this link and description below. Um, if you uh, ever have a recommendation for us or something that you'd uh, like to say yourself, please don't hesitate to reach out. We're a very inclusive group, probably because we're all Tau fans. Uh, but this year we'll be expanding outward to... Uh, some other topics, uh, including TTS, that's Tabletop Simulator, uh, in, the, in the coming weeks, uh, as well as talking about some of the more general aspects of Warhammer 40,000. So thank you so much again, and this is your host, Calm Sword. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>